0: morning, everybody. How you doing? Morning. Good to see you guys. Great to have you. Uh, great to have those joining us online as well. Uh, my name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor here. If we haven't met, it's uh, really good to have you. Uh, if you, this is your first time, we're really glad that you chose to, uh, to be here today. Uh, this is your like a thou- thousandth time. We're really glad you chose to be here today too. So uh, glad to have you guys here with us today. Um, uh, we are uh, finishing up a series today called Next Door, The Art of Neighboring. And uh, I want to recap a little bit about where we've been the last couple of weeks. And uh, in week one, uh, we talked about how God's love for us. Do you guys know how to finish that statement? That would make my heart so encouraged. God's love for us must... Okay, I'll give you partial credit, all right? So the idea is that God's love for us must flow through us, right? I know it's summertime and we're foggy. That's okay, that's okay. Uh, God's love for it. what that means is that God's love, we believe with our whole heart that God loves us with an unconditional love, but that love shouldn't just terminate on us, we should allow God's love for us to flow through us to those around us. Uh, in week two, we talked about how forgiven people forgive, that one of the ways we can love other people is by extending forgiveness, right? We talked about how challenging it can be to let go of the hurts and the bitterness of things that have happened to us. But when we choose to do that, how freeing it is for us, uh, because God does a work in us that is very, very rewarding. Last week, we talked about practical and simple ways to love people by having compassion on them. We had a special guest. Her name was Christy Shute, and she's the director of Kingdom Kids Home. She was here with us last week, a mission that's working in Haiti. In fact, if you want to still uh, help people in practical ways, there's still some backpacks you could take. We're giving backpacks to local school kids. You can uh, take that and return that with some supplies in it. Uh, we also have a table out in the back uh, where you can sponsor children in Haiti uh, to have for their school year this coming year. And many of you did that, and I'm excited to see what God does through that. You can also, if you're really adventurous, uh, you could go on a mission trip this winter uh, between Christmas and New Year's. We're taking a team of people to Haiti, and it is going to be a fantastic time. It's going to be awesome. I'm going. My wife is going. So right there, you know it's gonna be an amazing time uh, because the hostlers. Our our oldest daughter Ava Ray is actually going as well and we're so excited uh, to be doing that this winter. So today though, I wanna address an important question. uh, And that question is simply this, how can I keep my spiritual passion high in the ups and the downs? And this message was planned uh, a long time ago but I think it's really appropriate in the midst of the ups and downs that we are experiencing in our world right now. Anybody else on the roller coaster? If you don't watch, pay attention to the news, then your life is good, for sure. (laughs) And I I don't blame you. That's how I do things every once in a while as well. But uh, things are a little bit crazy. So the question is, how can I keep my spiritual passion or my passion for God high in the ups and the downs? So I want to invite you guys to join me in the Bible. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, open them and turn to Romans chapter 12. I always encourage you to bring a physical Bible. If you don't have one, you can use the Bible in the seat back in front of you. It's a great exercise to, uh, to bring that with you. Um, it's a great exercise to be flipping pages. No judgment if you don't, uh, but that's what we encourage. That's what I have found uh, is most helpful. Um, if you don't own a Bible, we'd love to have you have and take the Bible in that seat back in front of you. Um, it would be our, our honor to give that to you. Uh, the words will also be on the screen for us <clears throat> uh, so we can better follow along. And I just kind of felt like uh, having a pastoral day today. Is that okay with you guys? I'm going to sit on my stool. You guys are comfortable. I want to be comfortable, although your seats are a little more comfortable than mine, especially those at home, right? <laughs> And so uh, I thought that'd be good for today. So Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9, verses 9 through 13. I'll read these and you can follow along. The writer, Paul, says this. He says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. And cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, and share with the Lord's people who are in need. One last sentence, two words, practice hospitality. Uh, would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I pray that in the next few moments, you would reward and honor the effort and the time that's being given right now to this moment. And God, we recognize uh, your, your solemn and holy presence. As we gather, I pray that you'd make our, our minds alert and ready. I pray that our hearts would be receptive, and that, Holy Spirit, you would work in power today. In Jesus' name we pray and ask these things, all of God's people said, amen. 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 There's so much that's so rich and so good in that passage. So many uh, great things. He starts out by saying, love must be sincere. That if we're going to truly love someone, it can't be fake. It can't be pretend. It must be from the heart. It must be genuine. He says, "Hate what is evil." That there are things in the world that we should detest, that are that are um, that are things that are worth hating because we are to detest evil and we are to cling to what is good. He says, "Be devoted to each other. Honor each other." There's so many great things in there, but the verse that I want to focus on. That has my attention and has for the past couple weeks is verse 11. I'll put it on the screen for you again. It says this, never be lacking in what? Zeal. Zeal. When's the last time you used zeal in a sentence in everyday conversation? (laughs) I really have a lot of zeal for Taco Bell. Yeah, never, right? Never. We don't use that word very often. We'll get into that in a second. Never be lacking in zeal. So we're not supposed to lack in it. What is it, right? Uh, But keep your spiritual, what's the word? Fervor. When's the last time you used fervor in a sentence in everyday conversation? <laughs> uh, it says, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So it's apparent in the passage that if, it's, if we're being encouraged to keep it, it means it's possible to lose it, right? That there's an aspect to our faith that involves zeal and fervor, whatever that means. There are some people who believe that the only way to follow God is with your head. Like, it needs to be all knowledge. In fact, some people would believe that But the fact that we have drums and lights and uh, all that we're trying to drum up emotion is what some people would say, and that that is wrong, that you should only worship God completely with your head only, all, only, only thoughts. Make sense? The, the hard part with that is we are not just thinking beings. We also have emotions, don't we? We also have passions and desires. So when we gather together like this, we can feel and experience the presence of God, right? Yes. Well, we also, thank you, Kevin. <laughs> but we also, uh, I think everyone should be responding as Kevin is, that's what I'm saying. Uh, I, we also, though, we know that God is present. We can experience God's presence, and we can also know cognitively that God is present. Right, you guys following this so far? Yes. Okay, so there's a spiritual passion that should come along with our pursuit of God. And I don't know about you guys, but uh, this past—I don't know what to call this past season. I don't know what to call it, but it's been hard to maintain spiritual passion. Anybody else relate to that? Like whether it's our own choices, whether it's distractions, whether it's just being tired. It's hard to maintain at times. So that's what we're talking about today, is how do we maintain spiritual passion in the midst of the ups and the downs? So, zeal. Let's get to that word. What does zeal mean? Zeal means to be eager to do something with the implication of readiness to expend energy and effort. Now, the word fervor behind that Greek word is an idiom. It literally means to boil in the spirit, to show great eagerness towards something, to show enthusiasm towards something, to commit oneself completely to something. We recognize, though, that that can be challenging to do, especially in the ups and the downs. Um, I'm reminded of a verse in Revelation chapter 3. You guys are probably familiar with this verse, may not know the context or the the reference, but Revelation 3 15 and 17 through 17. God saying through, um, through the writer to the church in Laodicea, He says, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to, what does it say? Spit you out of my mouth. This is God saying this to the church. You say, I'm rich and I've acquired wealth and do not need anything, but you do not realize that you are wretched and pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And he's referring to uh, in the spiritual sense. These are harsh words from Jesus, aren't they? What he's saying, though, is I want you to be either one or the other. I want you to either be hot or cold. Uh, I'm one of those strange people. I'd love to know that I have some some, uh, friends in the room. Or watching online, uh, I like lukewarm drinks. Anybody else? Lukewarm <laughs> drinks? Yes, those are those are my people. So I would prefer to have pop or soda, however you want to refer to it. Uh, room temperature. That's how I. It's just what I. I just I feel there's more taste there. <laughs> Occasionally, you get into a hot car and there's a hot Mountain Dew there, and that's kind of gross. That's nasty. But uh, I prefer to have my hot chocolate room temperature. At that point, we are debating first service. Is it actually even hot chocolate at that point? No, it's just, it's just chocolate. It's just liquefied chocolate, which is still okay with me. But what God is saying to the church is, I recognize you've gotten lukewarm. I'd rather have you either one or the other. I want you to have some passion in your relationship with me. I know there's a lot going on, but I would say and argue that we need Jesus now more than ever, right? It yes. uh, needs to be our all, and, and uh, he is present in our lives now more than ever, but he deserves our passion. So uh, a few months ago, um, I've struggled like many people with focus. Uh, there's a lot going on, you just get overwhelmed, and so there have been times, I'm just being honest with you, there have been times when I've sat in my office here at the church, and I've had lots I need to be doing but I can't bring myself to have the willpower to do the things I know that I need to be doing. Anybody else relate to that? Am I the only one that's going to be honest today? Okay. Um, so uh, YouTube seemed way more uh, appealing at that moment than, than whatever else I should have been doing at that moment. And I got myself down a rabbit trail of, uh, of watching these uh, uh, records or accounts of aviation accidents, airplane accidents, and not from like, the, the blood and gore standpoint, but from the standpoint of the technical aspect, they would go through, they actually do them as training videos. So you, you kind of listen to the voice recorder, the communication between the pilot and the, the tower and these different things. Well, I came across a video uh, of a plane crash that involved a golfer in the late 90s by the name of Payne Stewart. Many of you remember that. Uh, Payne Stewart was well known for his, his dress expertise on the golf course. He was very fashionable, um, and uh, he was known as a very passionate golfer. Um, he was also a family man. He was married uh, with, with a wife and two kids. And at the age of 42, he climbed into an airplane with five other uh, passengers and pilots and was making the trip for, from Florida to Texas for a golf uh, outing. And uh, somewhere along the way, the tower lost communication with the airplane. They didn't know exactly what had happened. They scrambled jets to go see what was going on with this airplane, and they discovered that uh, shortly after takeoff, the plane experienced uh, cabin depressurization, and all the people on board uh, suffered from hypoxia and and died. The plane was on autopilot, and it didn't make the course correction uh, from flying up around Florida over to Texas. It continued to go northwest, and that plane continued to fly in that direction for the next four hours as it headed toward, toward Canada, toward South Dakota. Um, the, the planes who had uh, scrambled to see what was going on could not make any contact, obviously, with people in, in the plane, and uh, they noticed that the windows were frosted over, evidence of the depressurization and the temperature change and so on in the cabin. The plane elen- eventually ran out of gas, and it, it, it stalled and spiraled down and crashed in a field, uh, in South Dakota. I was kind of startled and jarred by that, that story, because it, it reme- immediately uh, convicted me and reminded me that at times in my relationship with God, it's possible for me to simply coast and have things on autopilot. Anybody ever been there before? I wonder how many of us in this season, if we're honest, would, have, would acknowledge that we find ourselves on autopilot, and that our spiritual passion, if if God were speaking to us like the church in Laodicea, would we be that lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, just kind of half there? Um, so if you had to assess your relationship with God right now, where would it be? Uh, one option is you'd say, it's never been better. And to you, I would say, I'm happy for you. Congratulations. It's uh, an awesome place to be, right? It's never been better. For many of us, I think we would say, you know what, it could be better. I think many of us would say, relationship with God could be better. For some of you, uh, you might say that your relationship with God is non-existent. Maybe you don't have a relationship with God, and we're really glad that you're here uh, to be able to hear what we believe and uh, God's love for you. So I thought I would just spend this time of the message just telling you why I am excited about my relationship with God. Is that okay with you guys? Can I just tell you for a minute? Uh, I'm going to brag on Jesus for a few minutes, if that's okay. I thought it would be helpful for you guys just to hear why I love Jesus. I'll tell you why I love him and why I think that you should as well. Um, I love Jesus because he is always there for me. Uh, there's a verse in Proverbs that says that there is a friend that's, that, is clo- that sticks closer than a brother. Uh, Jesus is that, that person to me. Um, I love Jesus because he is constant. I love the fact that, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In in ups and downs, isn't that awesome to know that Jesus is the same, and he's constant? Yeah, you guys can feel free to say amen to any of these as we go along. Uh, I love Jesus because he is both gentle and firm with me. We can say amen to that, right? There's times when uh, I need God to be firm with me. Uh, Pastor G.J. refers to it as the two-by-four upside the head. There's times when we need God to go like that to us. Like, hey, wake up wake up. Here's what I'm saying to you. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what you need to, to do. There's times, though, when I need God to be gentle with me, right? If he were firm with me, it wouldn't be good. So he can, he's gentle and he's firm with me. I love Jesus because he tells me the truth. Somebody say amen to that, right? Amen simply means I agree or let it be so. Um, I love Jesus because he tells me the truth. I don't have to worry about there being a slant or motivations, right? Jesus tells us the truth about ourselves. Praise God for that. Jesus tells us the truth about himself. He tells us the truth about God. He tells us the truth about the world around us. I need that. I love Jesus because he tells me the truth. I love Jesus because he is good. I love Jesus because he is righteous, which means... All that he does is right. I love Jesus because he brought me into a family. If you know what I mean by that, what we we believe is that when we become a follower of Jesus, we become become a part of the family of God. He brought you into a family. I don't know, uh, we've got lots of family gatherings going on this summer. How many of you, when you get together with your family, how many of you uh, love those times when you get together with your family? Go ahead and raise your hand. How many of you would rather not spend much time with your family? It's okay to acknowledge that, right? <laughs> yeah, we get it, right? We get it. Every, every family has its own challenges. Uh, my family, when we get together, uh, we love spending time together. I always walk away refreshed um, and encouraged. That's what I love about the church family that we get to be a part of. I look forward to coming to church because I get to see my brothers and sisters in Christ. That's you guys. And I get to be reminded all over again of God's great grace for me. That even though I'm not perfect, I am loved. And that we are growing in grace together. And that we're serving one another and serving the Lord together. That's a great privilege and great honor, isn't it, church? That we are part of a family. I was so overwhelmed today um, as we were singing songs. I just overwhelmed the idea, you know, God, what a privilege to get to worship you. What a privilege to get to serve Jesus. What a privilege to bear the name of Jesus. What a privilege, what an honor to be part of the family of God. Uh, for us, for our family, for the hostler family, uh, church means so much to us uh, that, that w- uh, we have this saying in our house that Sundays begin on Saturday. Uh, you, I would love it if you adopted that same thing. I'll tell, tell you what I mean by that. So for us, Sundays are so important, matter so much to us, that we begin preparation for Sunday on Saturday. Uh, We go to bed uh, pretty early on a Saturday night for most people, I would say, Uh, because we want to make sure that we're ready, that we're prepared to be in the house of God uh, with you. Uh, The Jews did this. uh, In Scripture, you read about the Sabbath, right? And they celebrated Sabbath from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. In order to prepare for the Sabbath, though, they would make all their meals on Friday. They would do all their preparations on Friday so that on Saturday, they could focus completely on God. So we, Sundays matter so much to us. The time we come together matters so much to us that we prepare on Saturday for Sunday because we love you and because we love the Lord, we want to prepare ourselves for coming to worship together. Does that make sense? I would love to see us as a whole, as, as a part of our spiritual passion for Jesus, saying, Jesus, we are coming ready. You deserve our full effort, our full preparation. You are worthy of our worship. You know what, if, and if, if you're here this morning, you're like, it took everything I had to get here. Uh, we're, we're glad you're here too, right? Like, there's, there's room and there's grace for all of that. But I want to see our, our spiritual passion increase. So, what do we do? So, I want to give you guys a couple practical things. How do we Stay steady. How do we increase or how do we grow in our spiritual passion? This is what i found is the simplest uh, steps for me to take when I find myself struggling. Number one is simply to repent. Uh, When's the last time you used repent in everyday (laughs) conversation as well, right? That's a church word. I'll acknowledge that. That's a church word. Anybody know what the church word repent means? What does it mean? Yeah, to turn away from it or turn around. We we overcomplicate that word. But it really just means to turn around. It means to do 180 degrees. You're going one direction. To repent simply means to turn and go the other direction. Right? Um, it re- it turns, we, we need to change some habits, some mindset, set, some influences. Some things that are causing this separation be, be between us and God. Um, I'll be honest with you um, as well. So in this season, it's complicated. Sometimes we're, we feel distant from God because of our own choices. Well, we get distracted and busy. I, we watch too much YouTube. <coughs> Excuse me. Sometimes we feel distracted or uh, uh, d- distant from God because we're just overwhelmed by all that's going on in the world around us. We get, we get weary of all that's, that's going on. But at the same time, we can still repent and turn toward God. We need to repent of sin. We need to repent of apathy. We need to repent of busyness, repent of anger, and turn toward God. Uh, my kids and I, we have this like, weird thing that we do uh, at home. So I'll be walking down the hallway, and my kids will try to sneak, almost like a ninja, uh, like right behind me and walk down the hall behind me without me knowing. But I know, right? Dads know. I can tell. We need to work on the ninja skills a little bit more. But I'll kind of speed up, causing them to speed up, and then I'll slow down. I'll slam on the brakes, and they come colliding uh, into, into the back of me. Um, so I think it's the same thing with us and God that we recognize, or we, we feel distant from God, but the truth is that God is right there. That we, the, the separation we imagine is not the same separation that actually exists. Um, a few years ago, quite a few years ago, at the beginning of starting Evident, um, I, was, I was super busy, and uh, it's one of those seasons where, how, did, how I would describe it is that uh, I was so busy doing the work of God that I wasn't paying any attention to the work of God in me. You guys understand what I'm saying? If you've been a part of the church and serving, you know what that means. So I found myself at the beginning stages of starting a brand new church, which is a great thing for God, right? But I was not at all close to God in, that, in the midst of that, that season. It was, it was heartbreaking for me to come to that realization. So I spent some time just kind of working through that, and I, I repented of that. Um, and I felt distant. I felt like the gap between myself and God, if I had to put mileage to it, was like 10 miles. Like it was a long ways between God and myself. Um, but as I prayed and as I, as I wrestled with this with God, I felt like God said, Josh, I can close that distance in an instant. It's not, dis- it's not a distance that I can't, it doesn't take years to regain that. As we repent before God, he closes that distance all at once. He is right there. So repent. Number two, I want to encourage us to remember. Remember all that Jesus has done for you. Remember his great sacrifice for you on the cross. Remember his great grace toward you. Remember his great plan for your life. Remember his goodness. Whenever I'm struggling with spiritual passion, I have to go back to basics and remind myself of what we believe. I have to remind myself about my sin before a holy God. I have to remind myself, though, about God's love for me as demonstrated through his son, Jesus Christ. I have to also remind myself about my freedom that was purchased by Jesus' blood. If anybody wants to say amen, these are some good times to say amen to these things. Are you guys awake? Are you guys with me today? I'm pouring out my heart right now. So remember all that Jesus has done for you. If you're struggling with spiritual passion, repent, turn toward God, and remind yourself of all that he has done for you. And then number three, lastly, return. (coughs) Excuse me. In Revelation chapter 2, a letter written to the church in Ephesus Um, Jesus says to them, You've persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. That There was likely a time in your life when you were closer to God than you are right now we're supposed to return to those things that helped us to be there. Uh, Author Dallas Willard says that grace is always opposed to earning, but is never opposed to effort. So what we we mean by that, what what he's saying there, is that we believe that we are saved by grace through faith. Somebody say amen, Ephesians chapter 2, that's good preaching right there that you are not saved, you are not right with God by earning that. It is a gift of God right now where you are in the midst of anything you're going through. God loves you, and he died for you, and he, you are saved through your faith in Jesus Christ. That's powerful. But grace is never opposed to effort. It doesn't mean that we don't have to put effort into our relationship with God. We always have to find that balance. I'm saved by grace, but I pursue Jesus with my whole heart because he is worthy of my pursuit of him. So what I'm saying is that Jesus should be more important than everything in your life. If this is your first time at church or you're new to Christianity, I'm just letting you know exactly like what, like what we believe, all right? That Jesus should be everything to you. He should be the most important thing in your life. I want to get into some details, and if any of these, I'm not trying to step on toes. If the Holy Spirit decides to do that, you can blame him for that. Let me give you some qualifications, what that means. Jesus is more important than sex. Jesus is more important than social media. I have a daughter who's in ninth grade. Now, Jesus is more important than boys. Jesus is more important than girls. Jesus is more important than relationships. Jesus is more important than school. Jesus is more important than marriage. Jesus is more important than sleeping in. Jesus is more important than football. I'm really stepping on toes now. Jesus is more important than all of these things. Please give me some agreement on this one. Jesus is more important than COVID 19. Come on, church. Jesus is more important than money. And Jesus is more important than life itself. Jesus is more important than all of these things. And he's worthy of our praise and our pursuit, and our worship, and our devotion. You could almost say he's worthy of our zeal and our fervor, couldn't you? Yes. <laughs> right? The question is, is he to you? Is he the most important thing in your life? There's a, there's a passage in one of the Gospels where Jesus is calling people to follow him. He's like, hey, come follow me. The invitation is open to anybody. Come follow me. But he says... If you're going to follow me, it's going to require sacrifice. It's going to require full devotion. And people kept making one excuse after the other. One guy said, you know, my father just passed away. Let me go bury my father. Another one said, I just bought a new pair of oxen. It's like having a new car. It's like I need to go test drive my oxen. <laughs> and Jesus was like, those are all fine, but what I'm hearing are excuses. I'm hearing that there are other things that are more important to you. He said, unless you're willing to hate those things, and what Jesus is saying, unless you're willing to, to put me in that spot of the most important thing, you really can't follow me. Is Jesus most important? I want to finish with this uh, illustration. Uh, years ago, I heard this story, and, and I will never forget it. Um, you guys have probably heard of the philosopher Socrates. Uh, Socrates uh, lived in the first couple centuries. Well-known philosopher, Um, He had a young man come to him one time and said, uh, you know, Socrates, I desire wisdom. I want wisdom. So Socrates took him down to the sea. They walked into the water, and Socrates dunked this young man under the water and held him there for a second. He let the young man back up. And he asked him again, a young man, "What, what is it that you desire? He said, I desire wisdom. So he dunked the young man back under again, held him a little bit longer this time, let him back up, the young man, what is it that you desire? I desire wisdom. So Socrates wasn't done. He dunked him under a third time and held him under a little bit longer, long enough to question if he's going to let him back up or not. He finally lets the young man back up. The young man's gasping for air. And Socrates says, Young man, what is it that you desire? Finally, the young man fed up. He said, I desire air. I want oxygen. I want to breathe, right? And Socrates said, When you desire wisdom as much as you desire air, then you will have wisdom. The same thing is true for us. Do we desire Jesus as the most important thing in our lives? That's what he says is required of us to follow him. So would you guys close your eyes, bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray together. God, I'm here with my brothers and sisters People who are desiring to have a relationship with their God. We wouldn't be here if we didn't desire and God I, you, you this is what we're created for. We're created to have a relationship with our God. You have made a way for that through your Son Jesus Christ. Praise God, that my sins are forgiven, my sins are washed clean, the sins of my past, the sins of my present. And the sins that I will commit in the future are covered by your son, Jesus Christ. And I receive this as a free gift from God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that I am made right with you because of your love and mercy and grace toward me. I receive that. God, I do admit though, and I... Do acknowledge that at times my spiritual passion is not what you deserve. So God, I chase after other loves and other things, and I just get overwhelmed sometimes. I pray today, uh, as the psalmist did, would you please restore unto us the joy of our salvation, that that spiritual zeal, that spiritual passion would return and overflow. Jesus, that you would become The most important thing in our lives and that the things that we once did or those things that can help us stay close we would do those again you are worthy thank you jesus we love you in jesus name we pray amen